as one of the top affiliate marketing companies worldwide, ShareASell helps connect businesses with the consumers who want their products. If you're interested in making money by promoting the brands you love, or you have a business and want to increase your sales, ShareASell can help you reach your goals. Click the link in this week's episode description to learn more. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Shopa. I am so incredibly excited for this week's episode. I'm not going to uh, spend a whole lot of time on this introduction because I just want to get into it. Um, so today we are talking about weed, ganja, chronic, loud, Mary Jane, whatever you call it. Uh, we are talking about cannabis. Um, this is a really fun interview. It is very informative. Uh, I consistently want to learn more about cannabis. So for myself, um, I am a, a very light uh, cannabis user, and that's not a slight against anybody who consumes regularly. Uh, it's just, this is, I found that like my consumption amount is, is good for me. And so you tend to find like what works for you. So for myself, uh, I have these little beverages. Uh, they're called CAN, C-A-N-N, and they are two milligrams of THC and four milligrams of CBD. Um, I go over to Illinois and I get them, and I really like them. It's a nice little microdose, and um, most often, like, I don't really get high. I just kind of feel, like, relaxed. Uh, but every now and then, like, especially if I haven't eaten quite enough, uh, I will feel pretty, pretty stony baloney, um, which is also pretty nice. Um, occasionally, I, I have a vape pen that I'll pull off of. Um, that tends to be more of, like, a once-a-month kind of thing for me. Uh, probably even less than that lately, because uh, I've really been enjoying the, the can. Um... And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to trying more cannabis problem or cannabis products in my future. So we have on today a cannabis advocate. Um, she was absolutely delightful. She was very knowledgeable. And uh, I'm really excited to tell you all about this organization. So our guest today is Ash Phoenix. She is one of the co-founders of uh, We Go High. And We Go High is a cannabis advocacy group. Uh, they believe that, that any kind of cannabis use can be medicinal and that nobody should be in jail for weed. And I could not agree more. It, we get into it in this episode, but it's just bizarre to me that there are still people in jail for weed. Um, but we get into that and uh, we'll give you some background information and... Um, I think that you will you will leave this podcast feeling more enlightened and um, like you know about weed a little bit better and about like the backstory of it. And who knows, maybe um, you'll get curious about it yourself. And um, if that's the case, then I definitely recommend uh, We Go High. Um, so We Go High is uh, a cannabis justice organization and they are working to increase access in prohibition states and highlight the natural connection between cannabis consumption and prison abolition. They have four kind of uh, goals, and that is to debunk misinformation, to destigmatize the use of weed, to decriminalize cannabis, and to decarcerate folks who are in jail for cannabis and those who could potentially go to jail for cannabis. Um, so this is such a such a great conversation and I think that you'll really like it. It was an absolute joy for me. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Please everybody give an amazing warm welcome to We Go Highs, Ash Phoenix. Well welcome Ash. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I am very excited to talk about your organization, We Go High. Um, can you tell us what your role is with We Go High? Yeah, so We Go High, I'm a co-founder. So it was um, me and one other co-founder just had the idea one time while we were smoking weed. Um, so in that capacity, I also run a lot of the infrastructure as it is young still and um we're building out a community of people who are like-minded, but 
it's still sort of a, you know, uh, after work job for me. So um, my role is to continue to build the community and the infrastructure of what We Ohio is and is becoming, which is bigger, I think, than we thought when we initially started. We were basically smoking weed and thinking over and over again how, I think the word we probably used was crazy. It is that we're just like sitting together smoking weed, like having a, like using it for our health, using it for our wellness, like finding the spaciousness that cannabis offers the mind and body um, before we practice yoga or exercise or go into meditation and how healing and empowering and incredible it is to be able to have access to that kind of medicine and how um, all of those, all of the same magnitude of joy and gratitude we have for it, people are having pain and, and, and uh, destruction brought on them by, you know, the war on drugs and different things like that. So we were just basically, people are sitting in jail for the same thing that we're using, you know what I mean, to heal our bodies and what can we do about that? It just kept coming up over and over again as a theme. And the first thing we thought we could do was build community around the concept because we know that everybody else we know who smokes weed also feels like it's pretty crazy that folks are in jail for it. So building community is a practice that I have always sort of kept around when anything is in question or anything is in doubt. So we're like, find your people. And so we started to just post on Instagram different concepts, different ideas we had. One of them is like all cannabis use is medicinal, for instance, um, and just building, you know, meeting people mostly on Instagram, but through other mediums also meeting people who share our values. And from that, we, another person joined with us and became another co-founder because without her, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And since then, several people have sort of joined on with extreme talent and, and a lot of passion for the work. And we have been just moving from there. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about what the mission of We Go High is? Yeah, so our goal is to, we have four, we call them the four Ds. Um, and they really sort of shine light on sort of what the whole goal is. Um, we want to debunk misinformation about cannabis. We want to destigmatize cannabis use. We want to work to help decriminalize cannabis. So it's still very illegal in a lot of parts of the U.S. Um, to smoke or have, possess any kind of cannabis products. Um, and then the last one is we want to decarcerate. So get people out of jail who are in jail for cannabis-related um, charges. So those are the four Ds, debunk, destigmatize, decriminalize, and decarcerate. And those come sort of from the main problems that we see with um, how the war on drugs has been implemented. Specifically, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that, like, there's really no harm in smoking weed. The most dangerous thing about cannabis is the police. And so nobody's ever died, ever, <laughs> from smoking weed, consuming weed, too much weed, weed overdose. None of that is a thing. And so for it to be scheduled by the government as a substance that could kill you or that could cause long-term injury. None of that is actually the case. It, there's no dependency. A lot of people, actually, I should say that there is controversy around whether or not people can be addicted to weed. And I don't really have a dog in that fight. I think that people have um, their relationships to the things that they engage with, consume in this life. And that if people, you know, some people feel like it's, it's possible to have a dependency that's maybe emotional to weed, but chemically, there's no sign that there's like a, a human body dependency on cannabis. And in fact, the opposite is coming out as true, which is that we have a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system, which synthesizes cannabinoids, cannabinoids that are found in weed, but also in so many other substances, so many other things that we eat, lemons, for instance, there's cannabinoids in lemons. And so the idea is that our body has these systems that process cannabinoids and help regulate all the other systems in our bodies. And some cannabinologists, people who study cannabinoids, think that it's the most important regulatory system, like above the respiratory system, above the circulatory system, because it's the system that makes all of those systems function properly. And so there's a lot of misinformation about that because for the last hundred plus years, you know, it's it's been seen also as a drug that helps people become enlightened and you know, I find that those are typically pretty scary and dangerous for um, governments that are trying to control the masses. So, you know, it's had to been it's had to have been demonized. We've been making all these scientific advancements in the last century, and 
you know, cannabis hasn't been able to sort of participate because we've had to keep up this scary ruse that cannabis might harm you in some way. And it just won't. So little by little, as different countries are sort of legalizing and science and research are getting money to like figure out what's actually happening there, um, a lot of really neat um, medical breakthroughs are sort of coming out around how cannabis is actually so super good for us. All of this is very much a sidetrack because it's not what WeGoHide does. <laughs> we do, um, when we're talking about um, destigmatizing, for instance, it's really a broad concept that means make this seem less bad. And, you know, there we've been accused, we personally, maybe as individuals, not as an organization, we've been Talk, we've talked to each other about having been accused of like, you know, just spinning for no reason, like spinning this idea that cannabis, no, it's actually good for you, even though they've said it's so bad for you. And it's like, the only reason that I cannot, you know, talk to somebody about it being a scientific truth is because the science just isn't as abundant as say the science for gravity, but it doesn't make it less true just because, you know, I don't have the piece of paper or something. And, and the, the fact is the research is actually out there. It's been obscured and it's been, um, you know, made to seem incredible, but more and more will come out. I think that's really where um, people who need science to, to to seem legitimate, you know what I mean? That's that's on the way. But people who can believe in anecdotal, like a lot of anecdotal evidence, I feel like can, can hang with the idea that like many, many, many people find that this herb is really, really helpful and powerful um, for their spiritual development, but also for their community building. And there's really nothing wrong with that. When we say all oh, cannabis use is medicinal, people will push back and be like, but what if you're just like some punk kid trying to get high or whatever? There's nothing in somebody's life, you know what I mean, that it makes them immune to the stress of reality, that makes them immune to the pain that sometimes is caused in, in just living day to day that you can't ever avoid. And there's nothing more powerful powerful than finding some organic, you know, substance that is free of chemicals and free of side effects, you know that can help regulate your body in a way that you can handle those pains and those traumas as they're just going to happen in life. So we believe that having access to that, regardless of what you say you're using it for, it's a party drug or whatever. When is a party not good? We have parties to have fun. Fun is important. Fun is healing, you know? So when we say all oh, cannabis use is medicinal, I think there's a way to find the medicine in it, even if it's the medicine of laughter, which cannabis also offers, the medicine of good food, which cannabis often stimulates the desire for. And I think the misconceptions about cannabis, if you come into the conversation thinking cannabis is a bad thing, you'll find anything you need, maybe you're, you know what I mean, anything you need to, to decide that it's a bad thing. But if you come with an open heart and recognize there's a, millions of people who understand it to be the best thing for anxiety, the best thing for depression, the best thing for regulation of their systems, then you can, you know what I mean, start to see the ways that that can be true also. So We Go High sort of takes these ideas and shows through media mostly, the ways in which cannabis can be an integral part of, of your life and your lifestyle, offer healing, offer spaciousness, offer joy. Um, so we do that a lot through either smoking weed on camera, um, talking about smoking weed on camera and in public, or you know different ways we can talk about encouraging that science to really come through. And all of this is just making it seem less bad, because for so long, you know, the propaganda and the the energy has gone to making it seem really bad and you've had to, I mean you if you're going to make cannabis seem bad you have to work really hard and they really have so it's about undoing some of that in our work for sure yeah and it's definitely needed it's really wild to think about um you know when we think about how easily alcohol is abused and opioids um and I don't know if you're if you're familiar with uh, dope sick Mm -mm. So it's a it's a book um, all about the Sackler family and how they basically conned physicians into describe into prescribing um, oxycodone, um, mm. saying that it wasn't like super addictive, and it is. Um, it, it's really fascinating. They turned it into a Hulu series. I highly recommend it. But so it's wild to me to think about. You know, we have these doctors prescribing oxycodone willy nilly. Yeah, it's gotten, you know, a little bit better over the years, but like there for a while it was real, real rough. And then we have something like weed, which as you mentioned, like nobody, <laughs> nobody's died from weed. Like, right. but think about all the people who have fatty livers because of alcohol intake. And don't get me wrong, like I love wine. I love beer. Um, but I, it just seems I, I could never really understand why 
weed was criminalized mm-hmm. and alcohol was not. So are you able to shed a little bit of light on like what caused prohibition of weed and like what keeps it illegal mm-hmm. for many people? From my research. Now, I like to say that just because I think there are ways that um, this idea could be disputed because it's kind of a social psychology idea. But weed, for instance, the reason is racism. The answer is racism to a lot of questions, but to this one specifically, you know, the the reason we call it marijuana, for instance, in the legislation is because even though there were a number of names for the same product, hemp was a really common use name for the same growing plant. Um, we call it marijuana to instill this fear that was already growing of um, Mexican and other Central American Latino, often workers who would be coming into what we call the U.S., which was always Mexico anyway, <laughs> uh, to do either farm labor or different different kinds of work, just coming through as, as migrant workers. And having weed, having marijuana, you know, on board as like this 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 cultural practice and that being seen as a scary thing and the xenophobia of not wanting Mexican people in the U.S. you know we just made these we fought really hard for these borders to keep everybody who doesn't look like us out Um, so the reason it's called marijuana in the legislation is to maintain that concept of like this very fearful um, insurrection of people who are not us they're different people and this is how you know it's because they do these bad things so even though the thing wasn't bad and the people weren't bad um, you know, white sort of uh, white ruling class had to make sure that everybody thought that they were so that they could maintain control. So that's sort of the beginnings of that. The other thing about it is that the people who were living in the U.S. who were using marijuana, reefer, uh, grass, you know, uh, in ways that were recreational and were sort of helpful and healing in those ways were black. And so black folks on the jazz scene and, and in, other, in other musical spaces like that that were also spun as seedy and strange and bad and not pure. Um, so it, it sort of got a bad rap by being, um, weed being around people who were undesirable to the powers that be. And so in that way, it became very, very easy to, even though other people were and always have, like on every continent, used weed, you know, for their wellness and for their healing practice. In the U.S., it was pretty easy to pinpoint weed as a thing that if you got rid of or if you criminalized, you could get rid of and criminalize people who are associated with it, which at the time were pretty much only Black and and Latino people. So since it was just so easy to do, another, you know, the shady white characters who would hang out with those folks anyway were the communists and other people who were easy easy to want to get off the scene, you know. And so I feel like the government was, like, ready to isolate that substance as one that was dangerous because dangerous people used it even though you didn't have to define what danger actually was danger in that case was just being not the same and so that was the root of cannabis prohibition alcohol was prohibited also um and i think that what's so interesting about the ways that that got overturned and cannabis didn't is just who was interested in it being overturned and who wasn't i think cannabis is one thing that it's easy enough to like even if you use it, it's it's if you use it a lot for your wellness, like it's it's pretty easy to show that you're not using it or to conceal it, right? Because it doesn't have all these side effects like alcohol does. Um, and so even people who use it who support its prohibition, right? This is what we find a lot is that there's a lot of people in positions of power or who have relative privilege who like hide that they use weed. And that's another part of the destigmatization that We Go High, you know, really um, encourages is just like, if you use weed and you're an upstanding citizen and everybody thinks that of you, you know, especially if you using weed would make them think that less, you know, or or that's the risk, right? Do it. Say you smoke weed. Say why. Say what it does for you. Say how important it is to you. Because this is how we sort of move this idea. If your grandma who hates people who smoke weed doesn't know you smoke weed, How does that change things? People, you know, I came out as gay when I was like a kid. My grandfather hated gay people. But then he was like, I mean, I guess there's at least one gay person I like because you're gay. You know, he couldn't change it about me. So he had to change himself about it. And I feel like that's a huge part of what we asks people to do is like be truthful about this very important thing in your life. Because when you're not, you're making it harder and harder for people who are doing exactly what you're doing that maybe don't have the same privilege you have to be safe, honestly. And we know that when cops encounter people, a lot of times those people die. And so it's honestly, it's like a life-threatening experience to try and get weed in some states. And 
the more we can do to say like, hey, actually, like, it's not bad. I do it too. It's it's all good. Like everybody can just calm down about this. The more those things are less likely to happen. So that's sort of why we push that coming out, if you will, about smoking weed. Yeah, I love that. That actually just gave me chills because like that's 100% what I stand for is like show up as yourself because you don't know who else needs that. That's right. Like whether you are showing up as queer, you are showing up as fat, you are showing up as somebody who is on antidepressants, like right. whatever it is, like somebody else out there is hiding because they don't know that it's okay to show up as their full selves. So right. thank you. Thank you so much totally, for, totally. for doing that. Um, yeah, that's, I also think it's interesting. So I was reading an article the other day, um, you know, they're always coming out with new products that tell us that like, we're not good enough as we are. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And one of the things I saw was a, a cannabis product that was supposed to make you lose weight. Mm. And um, yeah, so of course I had to read it, like being somebody who is all about like body diversity and also like anti-diet. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, let's see what this is. And um, it kind of broke it down. Like, it's so hard to do like federal research like fda research on cannabis because it's like it can only be anything that can be researched has to be grown in like one area in mississippi mm. so mm. it's like not the same as right. what's you know being distributed elsewhere right. and because it's a scheduled one substance that they're not able to do a whole lot of research like they have to jump through tons and tons of hoops so it almost becomes problematic in the same way that like supplements are problematic mm -hmm. um, because they can make claims that may or may not be true um, because they're not regulated by the FDA, which is wild to me when I think about like just how controlled marijuana is. Like, mm -hmm. isn't that bonkers? <laughs> All of prohibition is totally bonkers. Yeah. Yes. If you dig into any piece of it, it's like, wait, hold on. What? Wait, why is this that way? That's so weird. Yeah, it makes no sense. And it's not supposed to. I mean, it's supposed to be confusing and untangleable. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's tangled on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's wild. I mean, that's that's just one example of, like, when you dig in. But, like, I think it's so interesting, too. Like, so you're talking about, like, the the less regulated or, like, when you're not, you know, when you're not regulated by the FDA, you can make claims that are untrue, whereas when you are, right? So it's about opting out of these systems of control, right? And then a lot of supplement companies are like, you could grow this in your yard. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going through the money and time and all the shit that you have to do in order to get the FDA to approve whatever your thing is, especially if people are already buying it. Mm -hmm. And I think similarly, like, that's part of the decriminalization piece that... I think as individuals, we might all feel differently at We Go High about what exactly this means. But I'm going to speak from my personal perspective. For decriminalization, the reason I advocate for that as opposed to like legalization, for instance, <clears throat> and the ways that those words feel differently to me, I want decriminalization like the way you're talking about supplements. I want to be able to say, I could grow this in my yard. So if you grew it in your yard or your big yard or your giant garden farm factory, whatever you're doing to make weed, that should be just as simple and easy as the way I'm doing it. You know, I think that the ways that cannabis culture has grown in prohibition, we have our checks and balances. We have our systems of purification. We have our systems of, you know, I mean, understanding, is this good weed? Is this bad weed? Is that person trustworthy? Is this okay? And I think that we have built such a deep and culturally rich culture around weed and, and consuming cannabis there's so many like traditions and practices and different things that cannabis culture really has. It's different in different regions, different words for different things. Like, but the whole idea is that we come together as community and often engage with cannabis consumption. And since it is such a interesting, rich, deep culture, it is so fascinating to see where it's legalizing, how those things are changing, how, you know, we talk about it as like cannabis gentrification or like gentr or like uh, greenwashing, some people say. Just this idea that like now that cannabis is legal in, you know, say Colorado, I'm in California right now, and you can just go down to the dispensary and like buy whatever you want, recreational, it changes what we understand to be sort of the reasons to come around, to come together around cannabis in the first place. 
it's not that it's bad or different all that much any either. I don't mean to say that it's like completely changed or whatever, but, and you know, there are ways that like prohibition has sort of created barriers to access to the plant. And so any access, you know what I mean, is, is a win, but there's also things that have happened like in those states arrests for specifically black people, for instance, in Colorado, I think the last one I looked at was 2018 and the arrests were up like four times specifically for black people and the ways that they'll now get people in legal states, right? Is if you're smoking in your car because it's illegal to be smoking an operating motor vehicle, which makes total sense, except we always smoked in our cars before because we had to, because you can't smoke at home or at work or anywhere else. And so now it's this cultural change where like, you know, okay, fine, we're going to legalize, but that means we get to regulate. And when they legalize, it's not that they couldn't regulate, get us for smoking in the car all the time before. Also, it's just like culturally speaking, like there is like a thing, a weed route is a thing. It's like how you go where there's fewer cops, you know what I mean? It's And so in that sense, it's like, more, certainly more dangerous for folks who, when they smoke weed, they can't operate cars. But I think what it, what you also find is people who have developed their tolerance and learned their dose enough that they know when their life is being enhanced and when their life is being, you know, slowed down, for instance. And different weed, you have different goals, different amounts, different dosages, you have different, you know, things you're trying to do with that. And that's what's so cool about the plant. It's so versatile. You can learn different strains. You can learn different ways it affects your body. You're getting to know your body. You know, and this idea that capitalism, one of its main goals is to separate us from the natural world, from nature in general. And cannabis does this thing where it, like, forces you to sit down, sometimes with another person, or, like, be still. Um, forces you to breathe, which is a thing in this culture. We literally pay money to go on retreats for people to tell us to remember to breathe, right? Cannabis, you require to breathe when you're smoking weed. You breathe it in, you breathe it out. Those are very sacred practices, very meditative, like, wellness practices, right? Cannabis, you know, you're engaging with, if you're learning about strains and you're learning about the ways it's impacting your body, learning about the chemistry of that, whether you're saying it in those colonized words or not, right? You're talking about, you know, the, the, the effect on your body. Maybe you're like, laughing, maybe you're hungry, maybe all these different things that we are really so disconnected from all of the time. I'm at work. I'm hungry right now. I haven't eaten all day. It's 1.28 in the afternoon in California. I went to the gym this morning. I did all these different things I have to do on my to-do list, but I didn't eat because I didn't have time. If I had smoked a little bit more, I bet you I would have eaten because I would have been like, dang, actually, it's really important. So like everybody doesn't have the same trauma history, but part of the way that like my life has played out is like, good or bad, you know, like, like it or not, like, weed helps me do the things I need to do in a day. And, and it, it, that could just be true for me and nobody else. And even if that was the case, it would be amazing if I had access to that. And it would be amazing if people who don't know if weed would help them, moms who are so overwhelmed postpartum, like, they can't stop crying. Are they better moms crying? Or are they better moms regulated, chilling, like, ready to go? high. You know what I mean? Like I promise the latter, you know? And again, with knowing your dose, like I think the misinformation, this is about debunking. This is our first D. The misinformation is so huge and it's had to be the propaganda against cannabis has been so intense that I think moms think they're bad moms. Like they're, they start to believe that the only thing that helps them feel better, that isn't pharmaceutical, that doesn't put them to sleep, whatever, is weed. They think they're a bad person because they've been told that they are. And I'm like, there's nothing more uh, gaslighty and insidious and patriarchal and reductive and like wrong than telling a person who gave birth to another person that intrinsically they wouldn't know how to handle that. That for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they haven't been handling that really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a person who gave birth to another person needs time to think and breathe so they can just collect all the wisdom and information that's inside of them about how to parent this person. And if what that includes is cannabis, that makes sense. You know why? You have an endocannabinoid system that is craving things like cannabis all the time and giving you these messages. And I think that pregnancy and parenting, young parenting especially, young kids, is if you can get it, if you can find it for yourself, that reflection, that moment of like, what do I need? Weed will come up probably, you know? And so finding your relationship to that in, in the, what feels like the craziest and most life and death time where you're totally sleep deprived and like <laughs> things are going hard, especially in a pandemic for a lot of people I know have parent, parent, been parenting in a pandemic for the last three years, you know? All of that I think is super important part of the story. 
And I think that's an, a huge thing that's been left out forever with the, the lack of ability to research this stuff. Like how hard, how harmful is it? How safe is it? Like, is it just smoking that's harmful when you're pregnant or is it the THC? Is, you know what I mean? Is the THC actually doing anything good for your pregnancy? Also like pregnancy, this is what I've studied a lot. So I care a great deal about this in the collective. I'm always like, but what about pregnant people? Um, as some, somebody else is like, what about veterans? I mean, there's just so many communities of people who are just like, who could, whose I think lives could be uh, enhanced a great deal with some um, better understanding about what cannabis actually is and what can actually do for you. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of another rant on why <laughs> cannabis is so important. Yeah. And it's entirely true. Um, I know you've said this a couple of times, like we go high believes that all cannabis use is medicinal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's so very true because, you know, you walk into a dispensary and you have the medicinal and you have the recreational, but it's like, I so I just went to a dispensary with my friend. Um, I'm in Wisconsin, but we went to Illinois because okay. like fucking <laughs> it's a two hour drive. Yeah. I heard it's really expensive there, like crazy, especially for out of town. Okay. Out of it was it was quite expensive. Um, but it's like I so I enjoy like it's called can c-a-n-n and so it's like weed infused and it's like micro dosing which is good for me i'm a little baby uh -huh. a little baby weed user uh -huh. um takes all, so, kind, all of us yeah yeah um and so it's like i like that just like nice little calming effect and mm -hmm. i still feel like you know i'm i'm mostly like in control mm -hmm. um as somebody who is you know not super experienced and yeah, we we went and we were asking questions to the people who worked there like, okay, if I want to sleep, what do I need? If I am stressed, if I have chronic pain, like mm -hmm. there's so many different products and they're all they're all targeted to different things. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I am pretty in tune with like what I like and what I need, which is helpful, but I feel like a lot of people don't have that same intuition i mm -hmm. suppose and so they think that it has to be like a one size fits all and i think that's kind of like a dangerous game to play um because it is so varied you're talking about weed different weed styles are varied or different like everybody's body is different and so how are you gonna find one thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so both i mean really yeah. um because there are certain you know strains that i'm like oh i don't like that it makes me super anxious like yeah. that's not gonna work for me and then there so, are other ones that i'm like i like this a lot this is nice this is an this is such a cool conversation <clears throat> i think different people have different ideas about this and again so much of it is anecdotal just because there's no science or whatever but even in the realm of you were talking about diet culture earlier even in the realm of that, for me, I'm all for finding different ways that foods impact your body and like how that feels good and how it feels bad and doing it when it feels bad, even sometimes because it tastes so good, whatever. Like I'm into all of that kinds of exploration. But I think I come with the premise that everybody's body is different no matter what. So anytime somebody's trying to be like, oh, eat this, everybody should eat this this way because that is the right way. It's like, first of all, I don't believe in right and wrong. I believe that there are a series of experiences that we engage with that we can learn from or choose not to learn from. And like, it's your choice, uh, but you can't stop the bad shit anyway, you know? Right. But um, yeah, this idea that like, okay, that different, that your dose is really what the issue is that like, there are different strains that have different chemicals in them, terpenes, different, all kinds of different things that like will affect you in different ways. But that if you have more of this in this, more of this terpene, for instance, in this particular strain, that you'll need a lower dose of that kind of thing. And if you have this particular terpene in another strain, you'll need like a higher dose in order to achieve the effect that you want. But that we don't even know all the effects, all the possibilities to even go in with an intentionality. But then also we don't know how, you know, if you have a, a, this specific kind of anxiety, for instance, going into it, how different kind of strains can, you know, diff, you know, different things can can exacerbate that for instance and so yeah I feel you that like more research could be really helpful in that but also just like I find that people specifically when they talk about like smoking weed and and experiencing panic or like intense anxiety that like they don't do it again mm -hmm. and just like with anything you know if you have a bad experience 
and you never do it again, that's the entirety of your experience with that thing. And I think that when weed is seen as like a party drug or like a thing that like isn't all that important, it's just something, you know, you, you do to take the edge off or like as opposed to like this really integral medicine, we might try it once with friends and be like, oh, that's not for me and then never do it again or do it again under like similarly self-harming circumstances, right? Because I think that we can find things that don't feel good to us and then end up doing them anyway if we're mad at ourselves. And so I think I've seen people do that with weed. They'll be like, I don't like weed. It doesn't do good stuff for me, but they smoke it because it's around. And then they have a really bad experience over and over again. And I'm like, why do you do that? Like, I don't know. And I think, you know, I, I think a lot of things, I think everything on earth is about love. And the things that suck are about the absence of love <laughs> in some way or another. Like there's nothing that exists that isn't made of love. No person's motivations are not motivated by the, the act of or the absence of love. And so this is just my personal philosophy. And so I think in this way that we spend time over the course of our lives learning more about how to love ourselves, right? Is that your experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, that like part of that too is like learning the different things we do and don't do out of that um, relationship, out of like motivated by that relationship. And when we don't love ourselves, we might we might not listen to our bodies and say that dose is wrong, that's too much. I feel comatose because I've definitely early in my weed smoking, like between age sixteen and to the last one was probably 24, 25. Edibles were a really overwhelming experience. Sometimes I would smoke too much and get really sick. Sometimes I hadn't eaten in too long. This is the theme with today. Um, and and then that gets to be too much. And I think not trying again because I did recognize the wellness and the healing involved means that I can give context to those bad experiences and be like, oh, I see what I did. That was 100 milligrams. Got it. Gosh. <laughs> Very bad stuff. But again, my mantra when I'm overdosing on weed, the three times it's happened, has been nobody's ever died from weed over and over and over again. And I'm just like, all right, let's hope that remains true today. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that since it's a medicine, I think that it's important to try again and to figure out what was happening. Um, just like when you're starting with a psychiatrist, dude, they're going to be like, okay, five milligrams of Zoloft. Let's see what that does. And then it's the same act. It's the same art. It's the same science. It's not, you don't know anything about your brain and your body before you get chemicals into it and when you get these chemicals into it if they don't work the first time you don't stop you don't say psychiatrist doctor so-and-so I'm sorry I can't whatever you say can we adjust that and so adjusting weed is the same it's like that was the wrong strain that was the wrong dose but it's still very important to explore right and it's interesting I'm hearing more and more culturally just about like psychedelics coming back and I say back onto the scene because you know in the 60s and 70s uh, I think medical and science folks were experimenting with psychedelics and different healing modalities, but specifically around depression and anxiety that these different chemicals, you know, can interact with us in ways that help us feel more expansive. It's always been true. It's just been a regulation problem where people are like, right, expansive is bad. <laughs> people who are expanded do not listen or follow the rules. And I think that what's happening now, too, is that people are like, your rules suck. We're not going to listen. And what's also really cool about the world is there are mushrooms. <laughs> so <laughs> goodbye. Um, but I don't see people really taking this approach with weed as much of like, this is a medicine. You have to learn about it and yourself before you can just like jump in. So Wego High talks about that. But mostly what Wego High is doing is building the kind of space and community where it's possible to have these conversations. And like um, uh, one of our members who, uh, it's it's weird to develop, I'm just going to say this, an organization so slowly and haphazardly is the wrong way to talk about it, but just like so DIY because like we don't have titles. But then when we're in situations like this, I'm like, she's like the main man. She's like the real, she's like the cheese. She's like the one who like makes everything, you know, but that's her title. She's like the everything person. But she made a TikTok the other day that was like, you know, when new volunteers join, we go hi and ask if they can smoke in a meeting. Because <laughs> we smoke, you know, as much as we can, it's like it becomes a rebellious act. You know, it becomes an act of, you know, just taking taking ourselves back, taking our power back. Like, why can't I smoke on a meeting? You know what I mean? Like, why would it, why is that seen un as uncouth or like unprofessional? And it's not that it is professional. 
the question is why like the question is let's explore you know like let's talk about it like is it distracting for other people that's a point you know what i mean but like let's talk about it because it's just implicitly wrong to be high why is it wrong to be high if you're engaged with a high person they're often very funny and interesting <laughs> and thoughtful i'm like why is that wrong to be high why where is the right and wrong coming in in that and so we go high is just a space where that sort of expansive conversation can exist without shame. Yeah, I think it's really important to take away those labels of like right and wrong, good and bad, like, and just more on like experience, like you're saying. Um, and yeah, it is interesting because like I, so prior to starting my own business, I had a really cushy job in a corporate environment. Um, oh, yeah. And there was, there were like kegs on site and we'd have happy hours with, with beer exactly. and wine. Exactly. And so it's like, well, why would it be that much different if somebody were to say like, oh, hey, I'm going to like step outside and like take a hit for my vape pen. Totally. Like, how is that any different? Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's just the culture of it. That's why we, that's why we push destigmatizing so hard is because, you know, drawing these connections like you are between like, why would it be a work function where they serve wine, right? But like, we can't also engage in these different ways that because you know wine is just not i mean <laughs> i think my favorite thing about the comparison between weed and alcohol is just how violent people get with alcohol you know and like rapey you know i'm just like yeah. weed doesn't really do that <laughs> i feel like weed doesn't make that my experience at least <laughs> i've never really heard about it um you know frat parties where people are really really stoned and just what playing uno or something i mean like what are you you know what i mean like culturally speaking like i feel like there's so much less to fear with weed for sure. And in a world that's just so full of fear. I mean, I was reflecting on having to watch the news at Planet Fitness. Like it's just on above the treadmills, you know? And I'm like, another school shooting. People are stuck on the snow. Nobody can exist. Everything is bad. Everybody hates everybody. Ah, you know? And I feel like it's just, people say that it's privilege or whatever to say what I'm about to say. But like, honestly, like it is the greatest joy of mine to not watch the news. Like it is the greatest, you know what I mean? Cause I'm just like, I don't need to know this slanted version of reality so badly that if I don't watch, I'll be like out some important truth. And it's just like, without it, I notice how much it exists to keep people scared. And like, I wish there was another way to engage with what's going on in the world without having to listen to it through this lens of just like buy this thing, fear this thing, freak out about this thing, hate this thing about yourself because those things don't really work for me. It makes my day bad. And, um, and so I feel like it, <laughs> the weed really helps, you know what I mean? Stay away from that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having trouble like remembering like all the threads because it's such expansive. It's like everything that's important to me. Just say it all at once. Yeah, for sure. No worries. I, I feel that entirely. Um, so I know you mentioned a little bit like there's a difference between decriminalization and mm -hmm. legalization. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of put those two in perspective? Yeah. So I think of, and this isn't, this is a, an opinion, but I think that decriminalizing as in getting us to a place where it is not a crime to have or to use weed is really my dream and my goal. And I think it takes lots of like little steps, little actions. Um, I don't think weed should be regulated at all. I think that it's a, I think it's a, an herb like any other herb. And I think though the ways people talk about wanting to regulate it has everything to do with controlling the bodies of people who use weed as a legacy of prohibition, as opposed to creating more access. Um, I think it's about creating more barriers to access. So legalization is like, okay, so this is lawful to use this. We're not going to put you in jail for thinking about it or wanting it or growing it up to a certain amount. But if you do any of these things with this same plant in ways that we decided you shouldn't, we have that much more access to you. We have that much more sort of empowerment or something to take you away if we don't like how you've done it. And we have that much more um, ability to deny uh, people who we don't like, the ability to make money off of weed. So legalization means a whole bunch of white people and a whole bunch of really rich people, whether they cared about weed or not, whether they knew anything about the culture or not, to just make a whole bunch of money off of people who use weed. And that's legalization. Now decriminalization, and I think that it's really cool for people who benefit from it, right? So like for 
nice white middle class people who want to walk into a dispensary and like or have it delivered in California. A lot of people are just up in the Bay Area and everybody's just like, oh, we'll just order weed delivery and they just bring you an ounce of weed for cash. But like still, I'm like, that's real different. But it's also not real different because I used to call my weed man and be like, hey, can you bring me an ounce of weed and I'll give you cash? And he's like, yeah, I'll be there sometime between now and your death, but I'll be there. <laughs> So in that way, it's like, who's now making money off of the same practice I have, the same, you know what I mean? Like, it's not more convenient that this delivery service comes. It's less convenient because there's taxes and like I'm in a system and, you know, all these different things. I think decriminalization in its pure form in my brain means hands off. You know what I mean? That like, we're going to get it the way we've been getting it. We're going to have it the way we've been having it. We're going to grow it the way we've been growing it. And we're going to use it for our wellness the way we've been using it for our wellness. And like, it, you know, in North Carolina, where I'm from, where We Go High is based, there's a regulation for liquor. So there's like an ABC store, which is the only place you can buy anything other than beer and wine. And like those stores are so, I mean, they're it's cool. Like they just have hours that are sort of like not super convenient all the time. And they, you know, there's this moralistic idea that like you shouldn't drink on Sundays because you're supposed to be in church. And it's like, they're like <laughs> totally legitimate reasons that people are not Christians, <laughs> you know? And so it's just bizarre to be in the South and like under the sort of regime of some like antiquated, like idea that everybody should be at church. Like people don't be going to church, you know? And, and for that to be, still be in the, in the mindset of people making laws is kind of like, man, that's so basic. Like some days we can't buy alcohol. That's so weird. So I'm in California and like you can buy liquor at the freaking children's toy store if you want to, you know, it's just a whole different idea. I don't think people drink more or less here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's working this idea of regulation. So I think if we could just like get down to what works and what doesn't, weed would just really just soar right to the top of the list of <laughs> things to, to keep around. But yeah, legalization, I think gives powerful people more opportunities to control us. I think decriminalization in in one way to conceive of it gives us a lot more freedom and access to this to this wellness practice. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I mean, even as you were speaking, it occurred to me like, oh, of course like this is still a system that aims to keep people who have money in power yeah. and people who are white in power. Um right because it's like yeah with the dispensary it's like you're you're getting access to what is considered legal weed right. but you're restricted by certain hours and it's very expensive and yeah that's exactly i i mean those were just two things that i had like not really put together and so it is totally. like a very gentrification of totally. cannabis um oh man Wild. Yeah. No, it's so real. I mean, it's insidious. I mean, it's 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 every direction, every facet, I would say, of it. It just it's like how else can we impose these white supremacist values? How else can we impose these capitalist values? And what's maddening, I think, is that it's taking this substance that was like otherwise like just chilling in the background, not hurting you, not doing anything against you, and weaponizing it against the people who are using it for healing. It's like, y'all just hate wellness. Y'all just hate being okay. Being okay is the worst in, in like a white supremacist, like patriarchy, capitalist patriarchy. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just like being okay is the enemy, you know, finding yeah. ease, finding serenity, totally against the rules. Right. Well, it throws everything makes, off. Nobody makes money if we're all happy. Like. Right, totally. <laughs> we certainly um, don't make money for the other people in our happiness we're out here being happy yes it's it's all making sense um so we're coming up on time i just have two final questions totally. um so the first is what is something that we can do on an individual level to further we go high's mission um i know you mentioned like showing up and be like hey i smoke weed and i'm like a functioning citizen like totally. i think that's really important do you have any other um, advice for folks 
Well, I think just to expound on that, because that is like our main thing that, that we go, we go high tells people when they're like, how can we help? It's like, all, it's, it can be your brand too. Like, don't worry about like saying it the way I would say it. Right. <clears throat> it's like, if you smoke weed with, and you've never told your sister, even though you and your sister have a great relationship and maybe, you know, she doesn't like weed or whatever, but either way, like she's your equal, like y'all can talk, just start with her. You know what I mean? Just be like, did you know I smoke some weed sometimes? And if she's like, why would you do that? You're like ruining your future or whatever. I can be like, it actually isn't ruining my future. So, but I just wanted to, I just want to chat about that. I just want to let you know, whatever. It can be short. It can be small. It can be minor. You know, you could talk to a person, you know, cares for weed that you just have never really talked about weed together before. It can be, it doesn't have to be the most painful experience of your life, right? To come out as like a cannabis user. Um, I think too, just like listening to yourself about what you want to be private about and what you don't, and then ask yourself why. Like, do I want to not be private about this because, you know, it's important that visibility increase so that everybody's safe? Cool. If you want to, like, talk about your weed use because you think it makes you a cooler person, I guarantee you it does. So feel free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that, like, asking ourselves why is a thing that we don't really take time to do. So why are you smoking weed in the first place? What is it about that? Ask yourself that. I think that undoing some of the systemic problems that exist, like white supremacy, patriarchy, all these things, I think almost all of it starts in ourselves. I think having time to self-reflect and be like, in this instance, why do I smoke weed? And if the answer is because it makes your life so much better than it would be if you didn't, I think that's worth saying. You know, I think that's worth saying out loud to somebody you trust at least, if not somebody who has a very different idea about that. Um, and it's not to argue and like, and it's about offering, it's about planting seeds and offering and seeing what grows because more compassion and more empathy in the world is a great thing. And so if there's a way to be like, oh, I hear you talking shit about people who smoke weed or smell like weed or whatever the thing is, but like, I think I probably smell like weed after I smoke weed too. So, oh, weird. You know, somebody was talking shit about people who, uh, shop at Costco the other day. I was like, I shop at Costco. It's just as simple as being like, oh, that's so weird. I didn't know that was a, that was a weird thing or a bad thing, you know? Um, and just like bringing it up in ways that aren't controversial even, and aren't just like, uh, sort of obstinate and just being like doing it <laughs> in a picture, having a J sitting in an ashtray in the background of a photo of yours on Instagram, have people ask questions, be like, oh yeah, that's CBD or that's whatever. All of these are cannabinoids. All of these are destigmatizing. You don't have to be like Snoop Dogg in order to like advocate for weed justice. I think there's ways to like, you know, we talk about no one should be in jail for weed. That's our tagline at We Go High. And we talk about it that way because you don't have to smoke weed to believe that people who smoke weed should be out of jail. You know what I mean? You don't even have to smoke to believe that. So it becomes this, this um, racial justice and economic justice issue when you talk about the ways that prison, the prison system is used specifically to um, undermine and debase whole communities of people. You know what I mean? And that like, that's why prisons are filled with pretty much the same kinds of people, you know, because those are the people that uh, the powers want in those spaces and so to disappear from society. And so that has economic effects on their communities and their families, you know, and all these different things. It's, it's not, it's not casual at all, but the things, the steps that we can take to undermine those systems, those are very casual. Those are very like conversational. It's this podcast, you know what I mean? Choosing to, to shift the focus onto like, what is justice around cannabis? You know, it's thinking about it every time we have lighters that say no one should be in jail for weed. It's buying those lighters and like giving them to your, accidentally leaving them at your friend's house. You know, it's, it's, it's just bringing the conversation up. It's subtle and it's small. And it's really about bringing it up with yourself so that if anybody brings it up with you, you know what you're talking about and you know what you stand for. And if you ask yourself why you smoke weed and you think that it should be okay for other people, talk about it like that. But I think it, it is, it starts in the self, reflect on why you believe the things you believe and then like talk from there. But then there's also other ways. There's like ways you can, you know, we have a community forum coming up that talks about um, the district attorney, right? So like that's a really important role in a community. The person who makes the rules about how people get prosecuted. And there are really incredible district attorneys around the country who are refusing to prosecute people for weed. They're just like, why would I, weed? Is that a joke? I, sm I smoke weed. How I'm gonna put somebody in jail? So like um, Larry Krasner is a great example in Philly. 
He's just like, man, this is so stupid. We're overrunning our jails with people who do not need to be in jail for any reason at all. Um, and so finding politicians who are doing stuff like that, supporting them, amplifying their voice and their message, even if they're not a strong candidate for whatever they're running for, making noise about why what they believe is important, even if you don't believe in all of the things they believe. But these local elections, like learning what your local systems of government are, it's a Google search. You can Google your city and then learn all these different things that Schoolhouse Rock was trying to teach us back in the day about like how things work because if we can understand how things work understand who are the key players and like why weed is still illegal it 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 starts in the self and then it's very slow short circles outside of that it's like your family like if everybody's family had a conversation at thanksgiving about why it's just so busted all the, everybody everybody smoked weed in college in the 60s or in wherever when you were in the war you tried whatever you know everybody's family is full of people who have tried it and know that it's not this ridiculous thing people say it is. And so those that collective knowledge can come together. It's really like yourself, your family, then it's like your local governments and all of these things, it just trickles up <laughs> into like recognizing that we live in an abundant and creative world and that whatever we use to enhance that and make that better, especially if it's not harming anybody, is not our business. We have these things that we need to heal inside of ourselves long before we're out here trying to make sure that other people can't live, you know, and that it's a posture we can all take to like think about, you know, why we're doing the things we're doing, why we believe the things we believe, why we think that's true, that that harm should befall that person, that that person should be locked in a cage. Why do I think that's true? You know what I mean? Just taking some time for the self. Weed helps with that too. So if you're ever wondering like, how could I be more self-reflective? <laughs> Indica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think curiosity is just so important and so undervalued. Um, so yeah, I definitely talk about curiosity a lot because once you step away from the judgments and you get curious, that's where the real magic happens. Um, totally. So, so my final question, um, which is very important, is how can we uh, find and support the work that We Go High is doing? We Go High <clears throat> can be found on the internet at wegohigh.info. So it's not .com. It's wegohigh.info. On Instagram, we are we go high in C for North Carolina. Um, but yeah, from we go high to info, you can we have newsletters that come out. You can sign up for a newsletter. We can you can look at our old newsletters. We're really proud. Our newsletters look so good, um, and it's like full of really cool, interesting information. Um, we also have inspiration section on our website. We talk about different books that we've read and really liked, uh, articles we've been featured in. Um, different ways that you can get involved sort of come from from those places. We'll have times we're having giveaways or times we're doing events. We just did a collaboration with the Underbelly Yoga um, and we did an event called Yoga on High where we did a New Year's celebration um, of 108 sun salutations. So it's just a way for us to get together and be doing the same things together. You're smoking weed at your house, watching Instagram, smoking weed at my house. Do, we're both doing yoga together, different things like that. We have events. So those are on our page um, for different ways you can get involved. You can get our merch on our shop, which is very cute and attractive. Um, but it's different ways you can carry our message with you that nobody should be in jail for weed. Um, and it's also just a way to, to support our work so that we can continue to bring people on and pay them for their um, for their contributions. We have artists that collaborate for our merch and different things like that. So those are some things, some ways you can get involved with us. We do have a a very slow and growing sort of volunteer base. Um, people who do things like help us put our newsletter together, people who you know sort of help us with the media making that we do to sort of amplify this message. Um, but the, And I'd say the last thing is that we have this running census that happens on our website where we're just asking people different questions about their relationships to weed so that when we're having conversations like this with community members, we can be including the reasons that other people are involved with what we do or why folks believe in the things that we do. And so it's a really cool way to connect with us because it gives us information and data that we can then use to make some of the changes that we're hoping to make. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ash, for coming on today. Um, for the work that you're doing. It's so important. I feel like we could probably talk for another couple of hours, but totally. I really I really think you should probably eat something. Yeah, I should, right? Before I, I will... eating. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you and it was really great to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Yes, you as well.
All right, take it easy. Yeah, you too. Dog TV is on a mission to improve the lives of dogs everywhere with their unique streaming service for dogs to provide entertainment and alleviate stress and anxiety throughout the day. Their science-backed programming features playful animated sequences, dogs, and other animals designed to prevent boredom and provide mental stimulation. This is a great service for pet parents who are beginning to go back into offices and worry about adjusting their furry friends to their absence. Dog TV is available on several devices, including iPhone, Apple TV, Android, Roku, Fire TV, and Xbox One. Click the link in this week's podcast episode description to try Dog TV free for three days. You may choose to continue your subscription for $9.99 a month or save money with a $60 yearly subscription.